0: Well, happy 10th anniversary at 10. Yeah. I'm so excited. i 'm so excited to be you know ten, so we 're mostly almost done with elementary school, which is cool we 're getting into the awkward middle school years, and so that 's going to be fun but i 'm just excited because I just had a lot of time to reflect over the last few months of ten years ago this weekend of, of people walking up and two hundred and thirty three people showed up to, uh, to to be a part of this thing. We had a core group of about eighty people that wanted to see this church get launched, and it was a, a beautiful day basically the opposite of today is what it was 10 years ago. Uh, beautiful weather, and, and people just showed up to check out this new thing, and, and, and we've just seen it grow from, from that point, and it's just been so exciting. Uh, I want to show you a video we did um, on October 10th, 2010, so 10-10-10. We had one service at that time at 10 a.m., and so at ten ten a.m. on October 10th, 2010, we showed um, a video. Uh, I saw Area 10 Fun, and, and I just wanted to show that to you again here years later because it's, it's, it's Just fun images of of people, and some of them have moved on to other places, and some of them are here in our church. They just look older now, so it's kind of cool. So, check this video out. I When I said people looked older now, I meant the kids. The adults all look the same, but it's it's good. It was uh, fun, and it was an excuse to show you a cute kid uh, or, or a few. But uh, I, I want to talk this morning, do something a little different. Normally, we'd kind of get into a, a Bible story and, uh, and, and, and read through that and find out the truth for us. And we're going to open the Scripture a bit this morning. But I want to do something different in that. I just want to talk about kind of... Uh, about us and, and about this community and, and where, where it's been and, and a bit about where it, where it's going. And so it'll be a little different. This church is not perfect. We've made our share of mistakes over the years. But as I was reflecting on it these last couple of months, there's some things I just really love about this place. That you, you pray that God will, will birth this church and that God will bring the people. And then he brings people. And then you go, okay, this is what we have to work with. Let's go and let's do this thing together. And it's just been exciting to see uh, what what God has done through the people that have come here. And there's some really good things going on. So what I thought um, I would do is give you like 10 things I love about you. Uh, have you ever seen the movie 10 Things I Hate About You, that 90s flick? I, could, I, I love that movie so much I could almost quote the whole movie to you right now. But I'm not going to. I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? I think you can in Europe. Okay, so uh, so I'm not gonna do that whole movie, but uh, I thought we'd do the opposite of that. We're gonna, I wanna do 10 things I love about you. So, and normally when I speak up here, I have like one to three points. This is time I have 10. So we'll be here a while. Uh, but, I, but I promise I will speak faster than I normally do and, and we'll, we'll be fine. But I, there's, there's 10 things that I've been reflecting on that I really love that, um, Uh, I I, I don't know if they're unique to this place, but they definitely describe this place and describe this community. So number one, here we go. I love your heart for the city. Richmond has a lot of issues and, and historically has had a lot of issues Back all the way to the 1700s of some of the darkest stuff in America with, with racism and slavery have passed through Richmond, and you almost you can kind of feel the ghosts of that here in the city and there 's a lot of challenges that this city has and yet uh, this is a group of people that loves it anyway. not everybody lives here in the center of the city, but everybody loves here, and I think that 's a, a powerful thing. And, and, and Richmond is better than it used to be. And things are getting better. When we moved in, when my family and I, when we moved here 12 years ago, we moved to a neighborhood very close to here. And, you know, people said, oh, I don't know if that neighborhood's so good. And, you know, there's like drug dealers and all these things that they were describing. And uh, we've seen some weird things over the years. But generally, it, it has gotten better. And uh, I have seen uh, growth in the city. Now, I realize that not every neighborhood is like that in Richmond. There are still neighborhoods today um, that, that have a lot of problems and a lot of struggles, which means we've still got a lot of work to do because we want to raise the tide for all the boats. And we want, we want this to be um, an incredible place of flourishing for everyone, not just for pockets of people. And so there's still a lot of work to do. But I love that in this church, you love this place and you pour into it. Uh, a scripture that was very influential in, in launching this church was Jeremiah 29.7. It says this, uh, God says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. I don't think I'm in exile here. I hope you don't feel the same way, but that's what they were. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. God told the Israelites who were in exile in Babylon, he said, hey, make Babylon good. I know it's not your home, it's not your place, but make it good and and pour into it, because as it does well, you will do well also. And what I've seen in this church is a lot of people who really have a heart for this city and want to see it flourish in all sorts of ways. It's been fantastic. There's many stories I could tell you. One that came to mind as I was preparing this is Anna Grebe, who doesn't know I'm giving her a shout-out right now. Um, I should probably have cleared that with her. But uh, Anna, um, she, she heard a message when we were talking about Love in the city a few years back, and she said, all right, I'm going to go and, and, and see what needs to be done. And she she came across a, a group home that was near here, the Parkwood, and she poured energy into that and said, let me just go in there. You know, I, I, I don't want, I mean, yeah, you have to have permission, but she wasn't waiting, waiting for my permission or anyone else's. She was like, hey, something needs to to be done here. Let's pour into this. Let's make this happen. And she went over there and started working uh, in the Parkwood and in recruiting other people to, to love the people that were living there and to try to shine some light in, into that place. And I think that's pretty awesome. And so at our church, Uh, our vision statement going forward, we've said, hey, we're transforming lives in the city for the city. We're doubling down on the city of Richmond. We want to be here a long time. We've purchased property that helps us to to not be in everything, be a rental situation. Uh, And we want to be here a long time and investing here a long long time because we love the city and we have a heart for it. Number two, you are generous people. Area 10 started with money that was given to us by, um, really, there was a guy named Mr. Fulcher who lived in Newport News. And when he died, he left about $500,000 of his money. He left it to an organization called the Virginia Evangelizing Fellowship. That organization is now called Waypoint. Waypoint. That organization then took about $185,000 and gave it to us to start this church. So as that man died in his death, he used that to further advance the kingdom of God. Even in his death, he said, I'm going to make sure that new things are happening, new communities are being birthed. And uh, Waypoint, that organization, helped birth us. Tim Cole, who's the head of Waypoint, is actually here this morning to celebrate with us as he was here on opening day as well. And so he's here celebrating with us. Waypoint gave us some seed money to get started, and then we raised some more money, and, and that's how we got launched. But from that time, you all have been very generous people. We launched in September. By December, we had raised eight grand uh, it, it, over a weekend in December to do a clean water project for a village in the mountains of northern Vietnam. So we were already kind of looking outward, and, and, and you guys were already responding in generosity. And so we had about a three-year window there at the beginning where outside support was coming in to support us, but over the time all of you came together to to give and support and the church became self-sustaining by that by that third year. And we were able to sort of pay our bills and, and take care of things. And you guys have responded in generosity over and over through the years. If you remember just back to Advent last year, we raised $58,000 to do a food project for, for, uh, so that we could, we could get food in, into the hands of, of kids and families that need it all over the Richmond area. We've done a house project where we, where we renovated a house and did some stuff with affordable housing on the north side. We have uh, poured a lot of money and energy into partnerships here and overseas. And I just want to say thank you for that. I'm really humbled by it. I'm humbled by the people who give regularly, consistently, sacrificially, faithfully. You give and, 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 it, and it helps drive some things and, and helps us to really take some risks and, and step out and do some pretty cool stuff. And God has been faithful to us and you have been faithful in responding to that with your generosity. Number three, I love your heart for global partnerships. Um, the mission of every church, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That is the mission of this church and every church in, in, in the world, really. We should be about going out and helping people become disciples of Jesus. It's his name we lift up. It's, he's the one that we're about. And this church, from the beginning, has had a heart for outward, not just out into our city, because a lot of times people are like, well, shouldn't we just take care of things in the city? Yes, we should, and we need to do work there. But you also have a heart for the globe, You have a heart to to reach out and go overseas, and so from the very beginning, we've been invested in Vietnam. We are still working in Vietnam in the SS3 orphanage on the outskirts of Hanoi, we've been there, you'll hear more about that in the next couple weeks because we're going to be sending a team there in 2019 and we would love for some of you to consider and pray about being a part of that team. But we've been working in Vietnam since the beginning. Not long after that, we got involved with Haiti in a village, Tibouk, in the north, north of Haiti. We spent several years there working with a church in that village so it could expand its outreach to its community. And we did medical clinics. We did all sorts of stuff. Um, and a lot of you overflowed with generosity. We sent them a whole truckload, literally a large truck that we purchased and filled it with stuff uh, for that community and so you guys have been generous and you've been interested in these global partnerships. Uh, The reality is Christianity in America at all came because somebody decided to go overseas and bring it here. And so we, we see the call of God to constantly be going out and spreading out. So we will continue in Vietnam. We're looking at some other partnerships possibly in Latin America next year. We've done some work in Turkey. We, we're, we're looking to see and, and, and praying, and there's a, a global team that's trying to discern what is the next right step for us. So we will continue to be outward focused and, and um, reaching beyond ourselves to build a bridge for people to come to know Christ, not just in this community but around the world. Number four, I love that at this church it's okay to not be okay. I love that it's okay to not be okay. If you look at the early church that you read about in the Bible, it's very easy for us now to put those people on a very saintly sort of pedestal. Oh, saint, because they name churches after them, St. Peter's. So St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Matthew, St. James, right? We we, we name churches after that, and there's a tendency for us to think, Oh, man, those are the super special holy guys. But the reality is different. These guys had their issues, lots of them. They were screw-ups in a lot of ways. In fact, Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, who Paul, a guy who... You could say after Jesus was maybe one of the most influential figures in the world in that he spread Christianity around the the Roman Empire and then which spread out to the world. Listen to what Paul says about his own struggles in Romans chapter 7. He says this, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. How relatable is that guy? I mean, this is St. Paul, right? He's a big deal. And yet he's sitting there going, I mean, yeah, sometimes the stuff I want to do, I don't do it. The stuff I don't want to do, I end up doing that. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, preach, man. Like, I hear you. Yes. And don't, don't you feel that too? Don't you know exactly what he's talking about? But what I love about this place is that it's okay if you're not okay that you don't have to clean yourself up and look a certain way in order to walk through the door, that you can come as you are. Now, a lot of churches say that. It's just really hard to live it out it's a lot harder to, to live that thing out. It's easy to say, oh, come as you are, but then we communicate in sort of little ways that, no, you can't come as you are, like, you know, you better dress up really nice and wear a tie to come to this church. You know, this church is kind of like that. You, you have to look a certain way in order to be here, and it's like, no, we have such a range of people here from different uh, cultures, backgrounds, socioeconomic groups, and, uh, and I think that's awesome, and we don't have an expectation that you have to clean up just to be here, we want you to, to be here, and, it, and if you're not okay, um, that's okay. Come alongside us. Let's get to know each other, um, and, let's, and let's, let's help each other as we grow on this, on this journey. Um, I, I, I love that the leadership of this church and the, and the congregation, this church, we are committed to never losing sight of that. We have to remember that there are people not here that we want to reach out to that are going through a lot of stuff. And, and we want to be there and help them as they go through their stuff. Because all of us have stuff. All of us have a past. Thank God we don't have to be defined by our past, but we've all got one. And we remember that it's there, that things have gone on. And maybe we've got some stuff going on right now that, that, we sh- that we shouldn't have going on. And so we're working. We're all works in progress here. And, and we are, as we're growing closer to God, we are more and more aware of the need for his grace. You know, there's an old hymn that we would sing in my church growing up, and uh, it was um, Great is Thy Faithfulness, right? And there's a line in that hymn. It says, Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And I remember singing that growing up. We sing it even as a family now, or when we're with extended family, we'll sing it. um, Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And I always thought, well, that's a pretty sounding phrase. I guess it's nice. Um, But the truth is, the older I've gotten, the more I appreciate it. And the more I see the need for it. The more I see the need for, God, do you have mercy for me again today? God, can I lean on your grace again today? Because I blew it again yesterday. And, and it's not just a song lyric to me now. It is a, a truth that I cling to, that God, it brings something fresh. And because of that, we get a do-over. Because of that, we have to remember it's, it's okay to, to not be okay. And that God can step into those places and do great things. Number five, you believe, I love that you believe that change is possible. This is a, a a changing place, a transforming and transformative place. And I think that comes because in Christianity there is an optimism. If you read Christianity, if you read to the end of the Bible, you will see things are good. Things end up good. If they're bad right now, you must not be at the end of things because eventually, at the end, they get good. That is the optimism that is baked into Christianity. There's a hope here that Christ is going to do something, that the world will be remade, that we will have a new heaven, new earth where there's no more tears, no more sorrow. And the older you get, the more you long for no more tears and no more sorrow because you see so much of it. And so there's an optimism in us, not because of what we do, not because we're so great, but because what God has done and because he is great and because he has a plan for all of this. There's an optimism there. But it's not a naive optimism. We're not Legoland here like everything is awesome, like we're not, we don't need to be like that because everything is absolutely not awesome here. And we could line people up on the stage and they could tell you why and tell you stories. And you probably know them. You could ask people around you, how are things not awesome? And there's a long, long list. So we're optimistic. We're hopeful. We're just realistic. So I think Christians should be cautiously optimistic. We're optimistic because we know eventually things are going to be made right and God will deal with sin. God will deal with broken places and broken stuff. But we're realistic also. We're cautiously optimistic because we know our own stuff. We know our own brokenness. We know the messes that we create and that are created by others. But we believe that change can happen. And, and I've seen a lot of optimism around change in this church over the years. I've seen people get baptized here. I've seen people, um, marriages get better. I've, I've seen um, people get into relationships that are healthier. I, I've seen people get free of addiction here. Uh, over the years, and when I see that stuff, it fires me up, and I've had enough people around me that when I get cynical, as I can, as our culture tells us to, as a read through my social media will make me, as I get cynical, there's enough people around here that are like, yeah, but we have hope, right? We're those people. We're the people who believe. We're the people who are grounded in something real, and we've got hope for a, a better future, and 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 I'm I'm so encouraged that that we believe that change is possible here, and that you guys have really lived into that. Number six, see this is going quick, right? We're flying through these. Don't answer that. <laughs> Number six, uh, I love that you have a servant's heart. Uh, there's an interesting account where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and the disciples, being twelve of them, they roll with Jesus for several years. And they start thinking that they're a pretty big deal. And they start arguing amongst themselves which one of us is the biggest deal. Like, which one of us is Jesus' real right-hand man. Like, I know we're all close, but who is, like, the best, right? And they have this argument. And Jesus overhears this, and he challenges them directly. And listen to what he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. And Jesus called them to him, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, just picture like the average Roman citizens when he says Gentiles, lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So I know you're arguing about who gets to be the biggest deal. Here's the reality. You know how that game works. You know that people grab power and there's power struggles going on throughout in the ancient world and going on until today. People grab power and they go, this is mine. I'm the most important and and you're going to listen to me and I'm going to give the orders and all that kind of stuff. I know there's that game that is played in culture and Jesus says, it's not going to be like that in my kingdom. In, in my church, in, in, in my kingdom expanding out across the world, we are going to do it differently. And the way it's going to work is if you're going to lead, you're going to serve. If you're going to be great, it's going to come through you serving other people, not from making other people serve you. And that's a challenge to all of us, that we need to be servants. And one thing I love about this church is that you guys have really taken a, a, a servant heart towards so much that needs to be done here in the kingdom. From Arie beginning, we have said, hey, let's serve this city. Let's serve Richmond and help it to be better. And we've done things. We've, we've done cleanup projects around Carytown. We've, we've done tutoring um, in the public schools. We've done mentoring with kids in, in, in foster care. We have worked at just different projects all over the city trying to help and serve this place. And not because Richmond's so amazing, but because we want to help make it amazing by loving and serving it more. And Many of you have stepped up, hundreds of you every month step up and serve within this church. There's people that serve all over the place. Uh, there's obvious ones who are here on stage, but there are people who serve in A10 Kids who teach children uh, in an age-appropriate way about their faith. But more than that, they build relationships with kids and, and, and build a bond there and, and point them to God. And that's an awesome thing. They serve there faithfully, not just uh, an, an hour Not just uh, where they come to church an hour like so many people do where they come for an hour and then they leave. The folks that serve in 810 kids come for an hour and and serve, and then they come back for a second hour and and worship together with the body in here. And I just think it's awesome. There's people that serve all over the place. Somebody served you by making coffee this morning. Praise Jesus for that, for that guy. Like, that was awesome. Someone was here setting things up way early this morning. Like, people serve inside the church and outside the church, and I think it's fantastic um, because we are a church that 's on a on a mission to, um, to that to help people know Jesus, and we believe that life works better when you follow him and, and follow his teachings and so we, people serve here to help make that happen and I think that 's an incredible incredible place when I think of um, servanthood here in the church, I remember um, Grace Gillespie, who is here at the beginning very very some of you may remember her if you were here. Uh, we launched the church on September 21, 2008, and Grace showed up. I remember walking from here to Cartwheels because Cartwheels was smaller then, and it was our kids' ministry space. And I was walking there, and coming up Colonial, I saw Grace, and I knew Grace was walking to serve in the nursery. And, and, it, and it just struck me because it was our first service, we only had one service, so part of the reason we went to two services is that so a10 kids workers could go to one while serving in the other. And even today, as we're just having one, we actually got outside hires to come in and help serve down there so our kids workers could be in here as well. And I remember that Sunday seeing Grace walking towards cartwheels, and I just thought, here she is showing up to, to serve other people's kids at a church she's never actually even been to. Like we hadn't even gotten going yet. And there's, there's just something about that servant heart, that spirit that has carried through this church. And, and I still see it in so many people who uh, show up early and stay late in order to do uh, great things here. Number seven, I love that you are creative. Um, a lot of people think, hey, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. And I heard Erwin McManus say this, a a pastor out in California, he said, you may not have an artistic bone, but every single one of you has an artisan soul. Creativity, making something new, that is hardwired into us by our creator. It is our creator who put us in the Garden of Eden and said to Adam and Eve, you have the raw materials, now go make something out of this. Go make something beautiful. He didn't set them down in a city He set them down in a garden with some trees and was like, have at it and go make something. And that's the beginning of the Bible. If you read the end of the Bible, the Bible ends in a city. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth. There's going to be a new city that we will all live in called, in the Bible, they call it the New Jerusalem. So I'm thinking, if the world started with a garden and it ends in a city, somewhere between those two points, someone's going to have to, like, make stuff. Like, we've got to, like, build some roads, and we've got to like, have some public sanitation, and we've got to have dwelling places, and we need you know, places to work, and we need all of the things that are, that are there in a city. And it, and it strikes me that God has, has put that on us and said, go create, go make something uh, out of these raw materials I've given you. And so we do. We take all the spices and we make new meals out of them. We take all the materials and we build things out of them. Um, and and this is a creative bunch of people. I've heard people talk about our church in the community, and they refer to it as a, as an artsy church, or right brained, or whatever that is. I, I'm 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 always like I guess I don't know. Um, we're in a beautiful space. I know that, and I think there are creative people in this church who use their creativity to um to 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 reach to reach others. We purchased this property. We are so close to it being ready to open. Um, We're going to be on the property today when when we dismiss in here, but the indoors part is almost ready. Um, And one of the things we discovered as we were building that out, it originally was, or had most recently been the window company, Richmond Window Company, and it was two stories, but the second story, as you went into it, what was there when we bought it in December of 2016, the second story was horrible. It was like, all the wood paneling, and then there was like carpet on the walls. I don't even know why. I don't know want to know what's going like what why. So you had like it, so it looked like like your parents' basement from 1975. All it needed was a sofa, and it was like, and but more more importantly, like it was not up to code in any sort of way. Like it was rough. So one of the first things we did was rip out all of that second floor and just open up to this one big space. And what we uncovered was beauty hardwood floors that were that were rough but needed to work, but the bones were there. The, the, the brick walls, the, the high ceiling, like a 20-foot ceiling, it's just a gorgeous shell of a space that we were going to then take and do something with it. Well, one day, our general contractor was up there, and there was a drop ceiling up there about 20 feet up, kind of an old tin drop ceiling, which itself was pretty cool. And he looked above the drop ceiling, and he snapped a photo, and he sent it to him, and he's sent it to us, and he said, hey, there's some lumber trusses up here that are really beautiful. Do you want to get rid of the drop ceiling and expose the trusses? And we were like, yeah, like what does that cost? How do we do that? And we looked into it, and, and what we discovered uh, is that there are beautiful lumber trusses, and so we made the call to remove the ceiling. I want to show you a picture of those. You can see at the top there, so this Sort of vaulted ceiling, and there's three of those big trusses, and you can see some of the brickwork. You can see the scaffolding where they've been working on the windows. Those windows used to be painted over, and we're all dark. And um, so, it's a beautiful detail, and we didn't expose it just because it would be functional. It has some function. Having a higher ceiling like that allowed us to move the HVAC ductwork higher up and stuff like that. So, there's some functional reasons to do it. But another reason to do it is be just because it's beautiful. Because we serve a God that loves that that. that that created beauty, and we want to honor him by doing something beautiful. And so we exposed that, and uh, it's making the space more beautiful, and, and we think we're making Kerrytown more beautiful. Um, if you think about cathedrals, all the cathedrals that you would visit in the world, they're beautiful, and they're beautiful because somebody thought God was worth it. And somebody thought, I'm going to give the best thing that I can to, to honor God. Uh, we're a creative church. We write music here. The, the, the worship band writes music. Uh, we create videos that we will show from time to time here, uh, and people use their skills on that. Uh, if you get a chance on the new property, go look at the Moth mural that was there. Christiana Woodard has been working on that for the last couple weeks. She's a brilliant artist, and it looks fantastic. And, and I'm telling you, all of my neighbors who live in this neighborhood, I met with them this week for a neighborhood association meeting, and I was talking about the space a little bit, and they were all like, this looks great, like thank you, because it had been such an eyesore at the end of the street for so long. They're like, thank you for making it look nice. And I was like, yeah, this is why we, we do this, for, for the sake of the community out, outside our, our doors. And we need to continue to think creatively because I don't know all the problems that are coming for us as a church, as a culture, but we're gonna need the creative thinkers to get out of whatever, whatever comes our way and to continue to grow. So number seven, you're creative. Number eight, you are welcoming to outsiders. Um, I love this concept of hospitality. Um, except that I've always thought of hospitality as like, like if you're good at being hospitable, like you, you make tea cakes. And like doilies and stuff, and you, like you make things look nice or something like that. Oh, hospitality! But when you read the word in the New Testament, it's this. Hebrews thirteen says this: Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to who? Strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That word hospitality in Greek is the word philoxenia, and it means lover of stranger. So when he says Show hospitality, he's saying show love to strangers as opposed to, and you may recognize the root there, the other word, xenophobia, which is fear of strangers, fear of other people who are different than us. What we're called to is to show hospitality, to show phyloxenia, to show love to strangers. And I love that this church has, has done this. People have all, all kinds of backgrounds have been welcomed here. And as we continue to grow, I want us to continue to do that, to continue to reach out uh, and, and to continue to welcome people in. No matter where they're coming from or no matter where they've been, they can, they can find a seat here and, 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 and get to know the community. Um, and so I, I, the church has been that, and I pray that it will continue. Now I've got two more, two more things here to finish up. And to do that, Um, I want to bring out my wife, Abby. Uh, Abby has been uh, obviously a huge part of this church. And I'm the one who's like this all the time. uh, And she's the one behind the scenes kind of making some things happen. And a lot of the vision, whether it was cartwheels and coffee, or a lot of things that we even did with Area 10, came from her minds and from her heart and conversations and prayers that we had over the years. So I just really appreciate her... um, in, in all of the wife, mother of my kids and all of those things, but then also just as a partner in this whole thing, um, she, has to, she has to put up with a lot in her role um, that I, I think a lot of people don't really appreciate, um, but I, I love how she has handled it. And is constantly speaking into the vision of, like, where can we go next and what does this church need to be? So I thought it would be uh, appropriate that she would share also. So she's got a couple things on her heart that she's going to share for you with you for Numbers 9 and 10. So you go, and I'll, I'll just sit here and watch like they do.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, number nine. I love that you care enough to do things well. Most of you are probably at least somewhat familiar with the uh, account of creation in Genesis It starts out, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on for a full chapter describing how God made the universe. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful poetry. But if you contrast that with the account of building the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, which is a temporary worship space for the Israelites to use while they were wandering the desert in exile, that's a quite different account. That lasts for about 10 chapters uh, which might just say something about how much more work it takes to communicate your plans to someone else than to just do it yourself. Uh, but actually, as I was reading through this, this sounds remarkably like a commercial construction project to me. Um, maybe that's because I've been knee-deep in it for the last two years, and those of you who are in that industry um, reading this might, might see the same. But being that we've been knee-deep in a commercial construction project for the last two years... Um, I've I've developed a great appreciation for the level of detail that it takes to make a project like that come together. And the fact that something like that is right here in Scripture tells me two things. It tells me, one, that the details of the places that we inhabit matter. There's a lot of detail in this description the color of the curtains, the types of materials used, the length of the poles and the bases to hold those curtains. The Lord goes into a lot of detail to explain how the physical space should look. And it tells me that he is a God of the little things. We honor our creator when we make beautiful things and when we pay attention to those details. It's easy to say, oh, that's just a little thing. It doesn't matter. It's just a sign. It's just a chair. It's just a logo. Who's going to notice? But the truth is the depth of our love is shown in how we care for something, even down to the littlest detail. The other thing it tells me this is that we give our best to God because he has given his best to us. The tabernacle wasn't constructed with leftovers. The Israelites weren't giving their hand-me-downs, the stuff they were kind of done with anyway, didn't have a use for. They were bringing their very best. They were bringing gold and acacia wood and purple linen. And we want to follow that example. In fact, we included it as a value of our church that pursuing excellence honors God. And I see that value all over this church in so many people. I see it in someone like Dave Allum, who has used his time and energy and expertise to help us get the right lighting and video and audio here in The Bird and in our new space next door. I see it in people like Tim Coppage, who are here week after week earlier than just about anybody, constantly tweaking the lights and making sure everything looks good on this stage. I see it in people like Jack Fry, who has given countless hours to painting and building and planting and organizing teams of volunteers to get our space down the street ready for our families and for our neighborhoods. I see that commitment to excellence when I hear Rachel Wooler describe all the thought and care that went into our new logo design, and I see it every week when I hear Tommy or Landon lead worship. What we do matters, and it matters that we do it well. Number 10, a love that you care about kids. And you've proven it over the course of our 10 years here. Did you know some of you might not be aware of this, but that even before A10 started, a month before actually, we opened Cartwheels and Coffee. It was August of 2008, on the weekend of the Watermelon Festival, the Friday before actually. And it was only possible because of the love and support and sacrifice and sweat equity of the same people that helped us to get Area 10 started. So it's baked into our DNA to love and serve and care for kids and families. And Chris has already mentioned some of the ways, the other ways that you have helped kids and families over the years. You have filled backpacks and Thanksgiving meal boxes. You have hosted back to school nights. You've opened your homes to kids in foster care. You've taken meals to new moms. You've taught in A10 Kids. You've sponsored youth group events. Some of you have even traveled to the other side of the world to show kids in an orphanage in Hanoi that you care and that God loves them. And can I just say as a mom and as a person who cares deeply about kids, thank you. I love that my kids have grown up. I told myself I wasn't going to (laughs) cry. I love that my kids have grown up in a faith community that values them so clearly they never have to wonder if they matter or if there's a place for them or if anyone's going to show up for them because you have shown up over and over again. You, you keep doing it. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So thank you for making Area 10 a place where kids know that they are loved and that they belong.
0: Okay, you got you to gotta warn me on that too. Right? So, um, so there's ten. Um, where do we where do we go from here? We have hopes ab- about what this community will be in the next ten years. We have dreams about that. We also have some plans. We have things that we really want to um, get after, and we want to strategically use the new space that we're opening to to reach this community, to work with community partnerships, and. Uh, and, and serve them. We uh, we want to keep taking some risks and, and not just get comfortable because there's a tendency in any organization, a church, a business, whatever, there's a tendency to get to a level of comfort where you're like, oh, well, you know, the bills are mostly paid and we're, we're fine and we're just going to kind of hang out. Um, and it's real easy to do that. And when you do that, you start looking inward and you go, let's just take care of our thing and our people and just, we're just going to kind of huddle up and, you know, the world's crazy and we're just going to form a circle, and, and we're going to huddle up and just take care of each other, and we're going to keep, yeah, we'll huddle up, but we're going to face outward when we hold hands. We're going to face outward and say, where are the challenges? Where, where where are the needs? And let's let's keep going after it, and let's keep taking risks, and, and let's keep getting our, our hands uh, dirty. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to, um, and my prayer is that he's going to do things in the next 10 years that are just going to blow. Um, it has really been a joy to serve.